Welcome to the First Century Youth Ministry Podcast. My name is Heather Kiros, and I'm the author and founder of First Century Youth Ministry. But if you want to learn about Jesus from his Jewish context and get better at discipleship in the 21st century, this podcast is for you. This podcast is a part of the Youth Cartel Podcast Network. Hey friends, it's Heather here. Welcome back to the show. I've got a new fun guest on for us today who I actually met through um, through an, a personal connection with James Whitman. He connected me with Ron. Ron did some work with uh, the JC Studies Institute and did a course for them on Revelation. And so I got to connect with Ron. He's actually the academic dean at Fresno Pacific University and has a lot of expertise in early Jewish literature, apocalyptic literature. And so we're going to have a super fun conversation today on what is apocalyptic literature. And so, Ron, welcome to the show. Thanks, Heather. Great to be with you. Yeah. What's something fun about you, Ron, that might be fun for our listeners to know? Like maybe you went hiking in Madagascar or you once sailed um, a sea boat in, uh, you know, the the Mediterranean Sea, you like what's something fun about you that might be? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, you know what? I've, I've lived uh, a life to this point. Um, in fact, just celebrated a birthday yesterday. I crossed the 55 threshold. So, Ooh, but have I, birthday. Um, I've lived uh, in, in a couple of different countries and continents around the world. Um, lots of great experiences, but probably the thing that, I mean, the first thing that always comes to mind for me is that I was born and raised as a prairie kid in Canada and, uh, and ice hockey wow. is my favorite sport. Yeah. So there you go. Um, I grew up rooting for the Edmonton Oilers when Wayne Gretzky was sure. the greatest hockey player yes. on the planet. There um, you go. Yeah. That's kind of, that. that's a long time ago, but um, certainly um, something I still keep up on. And probably once a year or so, I sneak down the road to San Jose here in California and, and catch an oiler game when they're here. But yeah, um, yeah. So that's great. I love sports, love traveling and hiking and that kind of thing. Sure. That's really neat. Yeah. We've got some Canadians that listen to the show. So shout out to oh, Canada. Great. There you go. How's it going? Eh? Hey. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, today our conversation is going to be talking about what is apocalyptic literature. So we see these different types of genres show up in the Bible and apocalyptic literature being one of them. And for many of us who open the book of Revelation or the book of Daniel, we see all this imagery and all these things going on where John's like, I saw this and it looked like that, that looked like this and that, you know, and it might make us scratch our heads a bit at times. So can you kind of just unpack for us in general, what is apocalyptic literature as we're opening the Bible and teaching it to teenagers? What is that genre and how can we understand it? Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much for the question, and even the way you framed it, because uh, the word apocalyptic uh, is used in often really generic or general terms, and I think most people would simply as associate it with end-of-the-world scenarios or mm. cataclysmic, you know, sure. uh, great events of destruction or disorder or chaos. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. while that can be part of it, uh, it certainly doesn't begin even to scratch the surface of what apocalyptic literature did in the early Jewish context. So I, okay. I'm glad you've emphasized genre because um, I think it's important to distinguish. And I'm going to mention three categories, but we're only going to talk about the first one. Um, okay. We have apocalyptic literature, 
And that's what we're going to mm-hmm. talk about. But then there's also an apocalyptic worldview. That's a okay. little that that's when a person's orientation and the way in which you interpret all of the events around you are sort of framed by or informed by this kind of sense of impending doom or end, right? Uh, so we could talk even, we, we could use by analogy the example of um, environmental science and the challenges of climate change. And we could say that sure. while many, many people don't take these issues nearly seriously enough, we might also mm-hmm. say that there could be examples of people who take these things to such extremes and believe that this is so um, cataclysmic uh, for the future of human existence that they've actually taken sort of an apocalyptic strident uh, tone toward okay. their environmental concerns. But that would okay. be an apocalyptic worldview. That's not the same thing as apocalyptic literature. Um, okay. And then there's also something we might call apocalypticism, where everything is kind of colored by this this way of thinking about the end of the world, you know, impending doom, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So mm-hmm. your question, and I think the focus of our podcast on literature that we encounter in the biblical texts is really, really helpful and important. Um, I think you hit on something really important, if I may, Ron, just real quick. I think you hit on something super important in framing the conversation because a lot of us view apocalyptic literature from, you know, the the movies that come out all the time about the end of the world. And that's exactly how we think about what is apocalyptic literature? Oh, it's this gloom and doom. The end of the world is coming soon. But from the Jewish mind, there's so much more to it than that. So help us um, grasp that. What is that? How can we understand that better? Well, let's start with the Greek word apocalypsis, which is actually the very first word of the Greek text of the book of Revelation. And it simply means unveiling or Mm -hmm. uncovering. And probably the single best example I've ever heard used of that word is if you were, imagine yourself out hiking in the woods, it's cold, you've been out, now you're hungry, and you come Mm -hmm. in and you your nose, that the smell in the room tells you something amazing is cooking on the stovetop. You don't know what it is, right? It's hidden Mm. in the pot. There's a lid on the pot. But, you know, your senses are telling you there's something amazing that I really need to partake in. And, And then you walk into the kitchen. You're getting closer to discovery. You walk over to the stove and lift the lid. You have apocalypsis. Now ah, you see an unveiling. Now yeah. you have an uncovering or an unveiling of what's actually yeah. going on. So, um, you know, at the core of apocalyptic literature in the Jewish and then in the later in the Christian traditions is this idea of hidden knowledge that is being revealed. So yeah. as soon as I frame it that way, you can see how it could have something to do with the end of the world, but not necessarily, right? You sure. could be interested in the fate of the dead. You could be interested mm. in why why do bad things happen to seemingly good people? Or sure. how do we make sense of the disorder and the chaos in our world? And any sort of, any revelation that kind of gives you information you didn't have before, or that seems to come from a divine or otherworldly source, that's apocalypsis, right? So so for us to say apocalyptic is about eschatology, right? Study of the end times, or apocalyptic is about the end of the world or the coming judgment of the world. Um, 
what we're doing is we're taking one small piece, one sliver or section of what apocalyptic can deal with. And we're basically pressing that and saying that's all it's about when it's sure. so much more than that. So we have many examples of early Jewish apocalyptic documents and, and writings that don't deal with the fate of the dead or the end of the world. They're, they're interested more in, you know, why should I be righteous in a world that seems so wicked when the wicked prosper, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Is there some divine knowledge? Is, is there some perspective from above? Um, and I say that metaphorically, right? Is there some right. is there some perspective that allows me to think about my own faithfulness to God and to the witness of the Lamb in a way that makes sense of the world that I see around me? Because I don't know if it's worth it, right? I think even, those are honest. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, even an answer to that kind of question can be an apocalypse, right? It's right. it would be the prophet or the seer or maybe the spirit of God lifting the lid off the world in which you live and saying, here, does this help you make sense? Does this give you some context or a framework for the calling to live faithfully? That's really great because what I was just thinking as you were talking was teenagers are asking these questions all the time. They're always asking, right. why do bad things happen to good people? You know, what? how can I understand what God's will is for my life, you know, those types of questions. And essentially what I hear you saying is that, well, when God reveals or unveils to them certain truths about himself, or when we have the opportunity as youth leaders to do that, we are helping them experience an apocalypsis, an unveiling of something right. from the divine, something from God. Right. And so that's so fun that we yeah. can help kids experience apocalypse or apo right. that all the time. Yeah. That's really Can I fun. just give you one example, which it's the example that comes to mind because I actually think, and, and this may be sort of, if there is anything worthwhile uh, in what I'm saying here today, but if, if this might be the nugget for the book of Revelation, in my opinion, okay. the center or the core of the book of Revelation is in chapter five, when John is in the heavenly court and he sees a seven sealed scroll that seems to have all of the chaos, the disorder, the, the dynamics, the history, the brokenness of the world or the cosmos as he sees it, and he weeps mm -hmm. because no one is found worthy to open the scroll. And then suddenly mm. an elder tells him to turn and look. He hears that it's a lion from the tribe of Judah, right, which mm -hmm. all kinds of important uh, uh, resonant echoes from Israel's history. And he turns and he sees a slaughtered lamb. Mm. And this is an apocalypse. This is an un uncovering. Um, yeah. and, and he discovers that it's only this slaughtered lamb that can actually take the scroll, make sense of the world, and bring about God's good, peaceful kingdom. Yeah. And, and if you follow John's images and the idioms and the metaphors he's using, you discover that what John is simply saying is this. The one figure in all human history that makes sense of the world in which we live is a crucified Messiah, right? Wow. And the slaughtered yeah. lamb is this image or this metaphor for Jesus' death, his suffering, right. his passion. And, and so, you know, that's just one example where, um, you know, this is not about the end of the world. This is about the world as it's now configured with 
God as king and Jesus mm-hmm. as the embodiment of what true conquering looks like. It looks That's like right. laying down your life, right? So, so, so I think you're right. As, as we're teaching this to young people, um, what we want to do is recognize that a genre, any genre of literature has rules of engagement, or rules mm-hmm. of interpretation that we want to follow. Um, and we want to take seriously the project of the author, which, by the way, and this I hope this doesn't offend anyone listening. But if you try to interpret the book of Revelation literally, you're probably mm-hmm. not taking it seriously. Sure. Yeah. So, so you know, question because, that I, yeah, sure, go ahead. If I may, a question. Um, so a question that I have is you're as you're talking and you're talking about, you know, these unveiling that John had in Revelation chapter five and how there were certain um like I remember uh, going through some of Tim Mackey's work and he talked about how there was different apocalypses that showed up kind of, there were common themes and threads throughout the Bible that many of the Jewish authors didn't really make very clear because everybody kind of already knew what these different apocalypses were. Um, mm-hmm. if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm saying that correctly. Um, but, you know, where do you kind of see that, you know, as we're studying the Bible and we're kind of talking with kids and sharing with them about the truths of the script of the scriptures, where are some of these, do you see some of these themes show up of kind of normal apocaly- uh, apocalyptic uh, actions or things that happen in the scripture that might make us scratch our heads, but to the Jewish audience would have went, Oh, we already know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think um, there. First of all, the use of of images and numbers in symbolic ways would have been obvious to, mm-hmm. uh, to to Jewish readers who were familiar with apocalypses. So the use of the number seven or multiples of seven, right? Sure. The use of the number twelve uh, and multiplication of the number twelve. The the use mm-hmm. of uh, of a reference to what it's in our translations reads like the number 1000 and in the Greek is simply the word myriad, right? And when we, when we've transliterated that word and we use it in English for us, the word myriad doesn't mean a specific number. It just means lots and lots and lots of something, right? Or it might mean an uncountable number of something, right? Um, If I said like I had myriad stresses this last month, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not counting. I'm just saying there are too many to count. Um, But that word was also used as the number 1000 in the Greek letter, uh, in the Greek language and in the in the Greek alphabet. Um, So 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 I I think, you know, the use of numbers and symbols in that way, I think, is really important. Some of the basic. Go ahead. I was just going to some of the basic identifications of stars with angelic beings or with, mm-hmm. you know, the planets, um, with, with deities in the Greco-Roman world. Those would have been things that seem foreign to us or strange mm-hmm. to us um, and, uh, and would have been obvious. So when John in chapter six, as an example, says that, you know, the sixth seal is opened and the sky and the stars just roll up like a carpet, right? Yeah. And he's using Isaiah's language. It's because in the ancient world, especially for a Jewish audience, that doesn't mean that a bunch of meteors are going to fall to earth and actually the collapse of the atmosphere, which a literal reading would force you to assume. <laughs> but it, yeah. it actually means this is Israel's way of saying, 
all those deities and shrines and the gods and the goddesses of, of the Roman and the Persian and the Babylonian worlds, they mean nothing. God rolls them all up like a carpet because in the ancient world, they had associated the stars and planets that we now understand in a scientific way. They mm-hmm. associated them with these deities. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's just one example of like this common understanding uh, that you had asked about that they would have just had. Sure. We have to sure. do the work, but for them, that would have been natural. So if a youth minister wanted to, you know, unpack the meanings of some of these things that you've named, the number 12, the number seven, these other different apocalyptic things that show up in scripture, where can they start? How can they start learning about these things? That's a really good question. There, there are actually a lot of good resources um, that are available. Um, it requires a little bit of work. And, and, uh, but I think anyone who's teaching and, and recognizes both the gift and the responsibility of teaching, um, you know, having good resources is critical. Um, so I, you know, and I think one of the things you and I have talked about is just perhaps including sort of a selected resource list along with the Mm -hmm. podcast. I'd be happy Mm -hmm. to supply that, you know, and every generation seems to have its own version of that. Back in the early 1990s, Bruce Metzger wrote a great Mm -hmm. little book, barely more than a hundred pages called breaking the code. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and he, you know, this was a good introduction, a basic introduction to the book of Revelation. Um, one of the single best uh, poetic and pastoral books on Revelation I've ever read, I still assign it in my classes, came out in 1989. It's called Reversed Thunder by Eugene okay. Peterson, the oh, author yeah. or the translator of the message paraphrase. Fantastic and and easy to read pastoral reflections. And if you're talking about, you know, youth pastors making connections between some of these things and Mm -hmm. the lives their kids are leading. Obviously, you know, the two books that I've cited are pre-social media. You know, they're pre-2000. So, you know, it's not that current, but um, but both excellent. And then, you know, for any of our listeners uh, or viewers who are. interested in a deeper theological dive, there's about a 170-page book by Richard Bauckham called The Theology of the Book of Revelation. Okay. And in my opinion, that's the single best thing ever written uh, by a scholar on the book nice. of Revelation. Wow, yeah. that's great. That's but great. It's well, a that's... small book, but it's not mm-hmm. an easy book to read. So gotcha. I think Metzger and Peterson, those two resources that I shared with you, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I've done some stuff. Many others have yeah. done good things yeah. um, that kind of walk us through these things. But there's definitely resources out there that help you read these texts. Yeah. And I'd be happy to share links to those things yeah. and to Ron's work. As Ron mentioned, he does have um, a, a, a resource that he compiled himself with a few others on early Jewish literature and apocalyptic literature. And so, Ron, this has been a super fun discussion on What is apocalyptic literature? It's kind of wet our whistle. We're going to keep going with the conversation here uh, next week and just see where it takes us. So friends, thanks for joining us for this episode. Just a reminder, definitely check out that Israel trip for next year and contact us for more details. So thanks for joining us for this episode and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you.